Movies entertain. Entertainment leads to emotions. Those emotions connect us to our enjoyment of film. And that is why we exist, to focus more on the emotional connection than the technical merit. Because every movie makes us feel something. Hello, listeners, and welcome to a new episode of the Feelin' Film Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Aaron, and with me for this conversation is my main man, Kales. Hello, hello. For this third week in a row, we are discussing another of our top 10 films of 2020. Yes, that's correct. This film was on both of our top 10 lists, as were the last two films we covered, Nomadland and Wolfwalkers. This one has seemingly and unfortunately flown under the radar of many film fans. It debuted on HBO Max only last year towards the fall. It's called Charm City Kings, and it is a film that I can honestly say I've never seen anything quite like before because of its unique perspective, that of a young, black, coming-of-age story. Before we get into it, though, Coles, tell the people about the special deal we've got for them. Well, for the people, we have great news. We have recently partnered with Letterboxd, which I can honestly say is the best social media app out there, particularly if you love film, if you have a passion for writing reviews and seeing what your friends are watching, then definitely check out the app. If you want a subscription, you can use the code FEELINGFILM, that's F-E-E-L-I-N-F-I-L-M, at letterbox.com, and you can get 20% off for a pro or Patreon upgrade. And if you already have an account, still acts the same way. That's right. It'll just add on extra time for cheaper price, and you can get access to the coolest feature of the cool, the stats. <laughs> the thing that will <laughs> help you become an even more obsessive and unhealthy film mm -hmm. fan, which we greatly encourage. <laughs> Join <laughs> us. Join us so that we don't have to feel as bad about ourselves. Um, no, it's a cool partnership, and uh, hopefully people will try that code out and get themselves a discount. Well, one word takeaways, let's get into the movie. Coles, what did you come up with? So Charm City Kings is a coming-of-age tale, and we follow the story through the eyes of Mouse, who's our lead character. And my one word takeaway is lessons. And throughout this film, we see Mouse go through and experience a lot of lessons. I mean, we can remember us growing up. There are certain lessons that are taught to us by our parents or by our friends or by our relatives. And there are certain lessons that we learn sometimes on our own through firsthand experience. And sometimes they could be good lessons and sometimes they could be tough lessons that sting in the moment, but help us out in the long run. So throughout this film, Mouse, he learns lessons about how to become a man, how to resist temptation, you know, the dangers and consequences of being involved in the street life. You know, what does it mean to fancy a female and being in a relationship with somebody? What does it mean to have respect for your parents? What does it mean to have goals and ambition? All of these lessons help to form his character and we get to be along on a ride for him and we connect with him in a great manner. And it's not just him that's learning the lessons. We're also learning lessons ourselves. There's a lot of lessons for people to learn here who are not particularly in in comfort with knowing about what the streets are about, with not knowing what crime is about, how certain circumstances can lead people down certain pathways. Charm City Kings is just a great film that just has many lessons to offer, not just for our characters, but for the audience. Oh, man. <laughs> I don't know how I'm supposed to follow that up. That is fantastic. <laughs> 
you could say that this is part of every movie that has a lesson in a way. Uh, our friend Don Shanahan probably would have an easy time writing this one, I think. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, lessons is great. I came up with a lot of words for this one, and I ultimately settled on investment. And I use that because the thing, the lesson, the thing that I pulled most out of this was about the importance of investing in young kids' lives, specifically kids in this culture. Um, and this can go for everyone. So, you know, we're talking about Charm City Kings on this podcast. We're talking about young black boys and girls, but really these are young black boys that are at the center of this uh, inner city Baltimore tale. This is not about white kids, right? I mean, sure, white kids need investment from people in their lives as well, but this is about black kids, and that's what we're talking about. And specifically, for a culture that sometimes, maybe rightfully so, maybe sometimes not rightfully so, gets critiqued for the way in which its male figures bring up its young male figures, I think that this really shows that in a beautiful way and also a heartbreaking way but but it really shows the importance of having a strong positive male influence in your life and it shows how having negative male influences in your life that are part of a culture that you grow up in can be something that you just gravitate towards naturally um, a lot of times when talking to people about racism and one of the things I'll, I'll just speak for myself honestly is that I had to learn was that it, it's all about choice like I used to think people made choices to be poor or pe you know people put them would choose to be in a certain situation choose not rather they would choose not to get out of a certain situation Charm City Kings really highlights that that's not the case it's not about living and, and making a conscious decision to go down a path that's going to lead you into some sort of a, a dangerous lifestyle or a potential criminal lifestyle or drugs or whatever the case may be. It's all about like the little things that are all surrounding you that kind of impact your path in life. And for me, it's about the investment of those around you that can help you kind of transcend and get out of a, a cycle that you otherwise might be steeped and stuck in. And so I just think it's a really unique and special film. It's one that has stuck with me the whole time, the whole year. I have championed this sucker online. Every chance I get, I tell people to watch it. And so I'm excited to kind of get more in depth with it here with you now. Spoiler alert, we are going to go into this. The good thing is, if you haven't seen this, and I'm sure many people have not, you can see it right now on HBO Max. It's still streaming there. So if you have a subscription, go ahead, go check it out. It's well worth your time. Really phenomenal film, but go watch it because we are going to talk about it in depth. And I think it's a good movie to see for yourself and experience the highs and the lows of the emotional storytelling before having it spoiled for you. Uh, it would it would take something away if you know how these characters are ultimately act when if you weren't you know if you go into it with that mindset so go check it out then come back and listen to this show at its heart this movie is as we mentioned a young black coming of age story which is not something that we typically see see lots of them with white kids many 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 all the time like every year <laughs> we see 
goofy little white boys <laughs> with coming of age stories. We see teenage white girls going through all kinds of like issues, but we never get to see this from a black perspective. And I wanted to talk about some of the things that both felt familiar to the genre. And then also maybe what are some of the things that we saw that made this unique to the inner city nature of the Baltimore world that these kids live in. One of the things that really stuck out to me, Coles, is like the relationship between the three boys at the center of this story, Mouse, our main character, Lamont, and swear to God. First of all, that part of it, the fact that he goes by the name swear to God, because <laughs> he says all the time, I swear to God, right? I almost introduced you, I probably should have, as Black Nerd Magic, just like in honor of this. <laughs> because, but for real, there, there is something about nicknames that is very familiar to me in coming-of-age stories. And you're almost always going to have that character that is sort of, he's not always the one in charge. Uh, he's not, never going to be the one in charge, but he's like part of the group. But he's known for being the funny guy. And this kid embraces that and and so by embracing his name as swear to god he sort of redirects some of the um, negativity that would come on him otherwise because of his weight and I, and that's a very common trope when we're dealing with i think these kids are i want to say 13 in this movie they're extremely young um and it's amazing to see kind of the situations they're put in at that age and the the heaviness of the way that they have to act in this world at that age. It's really, it's, that's the, one of the heartbreaking parts to me is because I can compare it to like my own childhood at 13. And let me tell you, growing up, you know, in suburban Arkansas at 13 was very different than growing up in inner city Baltimore at 13. Um, but like the relationship between these three kids, the way they razz each other, the way that they care about things like girls and getting a number and the, the, I mean, <laughs> Mouse like meets Nikki and he's like spouting off these hilarious pickup lines. It's really sweet and really cute. And it's really innocent. You know what I mean? It's really pure. And I enjoyed seeing that because again, you know, unfortunately we live in a world where black characters are so often depicted, especially when it comes to this as womanizers or in a sexual manner, you don't see that here. These are, these are 13, normal 13 year old boys. Like he just wants to get like a kiss, a normal kiss, not a, not a French kiss. He doesn't want to make out. He doesn't want to put his hands up her shirt. Like he just wants to get like a kiss or a hug from Nikki, right? It's about having that person that validates you and, and loves you and cares about you. And they have like real life conversations about you know, what are you going to do with your life after this? I'm going to be a vet or I want to be a photographer. And have you been in and out of the city? And what's it like if we go to the beach? And others? these are very like realistic things that are part of this film. It's not all about the drug culture aspect of this story. That's an ever present, like ominous thing that these kids have to deal with in their lives. But we get to see what it's like for them outside of that. Um, and I really, so I really enjoyed that. I thought that was like a very familiar thing as well. And then the uniqueness of the story being kind of centered around this bike culture. So that, th for those who don't know, this movie 
came out of a real life culture in Baltimore called of this group of bike riders called the Midnight Club. Um, one of the actresses in the film is actually an actual member of this, a famous member of this bike riding scene. Um, tragically, in January of 2021, she was accused of uh, murder uh, as well. So that kind of puts a damper on this. It was a little weird watching it this time around, I'm not going to lie, especially considering that her character is part of that side of the story, right? Her character is not an upstanding young person in this movie. And you almost can like see that type of person in the character she plays, which is, it, it sucks. Um, and, and, it, and it's awful that she could recognize, I guess, enough to be able to play that character, but she wasn't able to get out of that cycle herself. Anyway, that being said, it's based around this bike culture. And to me, that's like one of the unique elements of this. That's not something you normally see in a coming of age story. Um, you might see it. I think of something like, the way, way back where the kid goes away for the summer. And so what we often see is that we see kids who go away for the summer, whether it's summer camp or some sort of adventure and things happen, right? And then they change. They have a romance. They do some exploring and they go through troubles and, and they overcome things. And then they grow from that and they come back to their regular life and they're a different person. But that's not like this. This is different because it's all in one place. It happens. All of that stuff happens. Going through that adventure, that summer camp is them trying to get into this scene that is so meaningful that it has that carries so much weight in their area. Like it, it is a status symbol for them. Um, and all of it happens like right there in the city, in that one location that they live in. They don't get to go somewhere else to experience it. They have to do it all right here. And so that was unique for me. What are some of the things that made you think of this one as a coming-of-age story? What struck out to me was the innocence of the of La Mouse, Lamont, and Swear to God. You know, oftentimes in films, you know, especially films back in the day where you have black characters, especially black kids, we don't often paint these kids as children. They're often painted as almost like adults. And we see the same thing in real life where a black kid could be like 12 or 13. And he could be confused for somebody who's like 20 or something like that. Like we don't get the same kind of treatment that you often see other races get when they are kids. You know, the things that that we can do, like play with water guns or things like that. We can't really do that, you know, as a black kid because of the stigma, because of the stereotypes we have gone through. And it was great to see Jesse's kids just having fun. You know, it, I, I it made me harken back to the times when I was a kid and I thought that I knew everything about the world. And we see that Mouse, Lamont, and swear to God, they're still trying to really figure out their identities. They're trying to figure out what's the what's the way I can make some make myself into something. Like make they see themselves as kind of like nobodies, but they're trying to become somebody's. And the way that they see that they can remake themselves later on in the film is by getting into the streets getting into the trap game and as a kid you think that you know everything you think you know everything that's about the world you try to find that independence you you're tired of grown folks telling you exactly what to do that's what that's the conflict that mouses are facing towards the end where he's he tells himself he tells his friends i'm tired of grown folks telling me what i can do i want to control my own life you know i want to 
make a name for myself. And it's very hard when you're growing up in an environment where there's not many role models to go around. I mean, the thing about Mouse that is great for him is that he has three role models. He has his mom, he has the police officer, and he has MNC Blacks. And he's able to learn different lessons and take away different viewpoints of this world. You know, Lamont and Swear to God, we, we never really get much into their background of if they have parents, if they have a single parent, do they have anybody who's trying to teach them anything? In Lamont's case, we can clearly see that this is a case of a person if this is the inverse of Mouse. Like, if Mouse did not have any mentors, this is what who he would turn out to be. Lamont, a guy who is really all about trying to make fast money. He's He wants to be like the clique that he sees. He sees them with their bikes. He sees them with their gold chains. He sees them with money, with nice clothes. And, I mean, what kid doesn't want that? What kid isn't going to be fascinated and enamored by that? I know I was. And that was something that felt familiar to me and also felt familiar to another film like Stand By Me, which is which I think is the quintessential coming of age film, but you follow in that film four kids who go on a journey, but along the way they figure out discoveries about the world and about themselves. And like you said, Aaron, in this film, these kids are just right here in Baltimore. They don't really go anywhere outside of that. But in this city, in their community, in their neighborhood, they're figuring out discoveries about the world that's going to either change them or make them become like it. And the unique thing about this film is that it is set in Baltimore. We get to hear the accents. We get to see the Dirk bite scene. We get to see an environment that's not really too friendly. It's, it's the mean streets. It's either eat or be eaten. And it's very easy for a kid who's innocent and who doesn't know much about the world to be swallowed up in there. And Mouse Lamont and swear to God, they end up becoming victim to it in some way because it's it's very easy to get caught up when there's nothing else around you they're in a community where there's no other seem to be any economic opportunities that they can latch on to i mean mouse is able to volunteer at an animal hospital because his mentor rivers is able to get him that job um lamont and swear to god are kind of just hanging around with mouse and they're getting into different things and whatsoever that is right in front of them and this is all that they know. This is all that they see. They don't have anything else to look out for. And that's the danger when it comes for black kids in the inner city is that most of the time they don't have anything else to look forward to except the street life or playing basketball or being a rapper. That was the one thing that stuck out to me about Mouse is that his goals and ambitions were not just to be a basketball player or a football player. Amen. He wanted to be a veterinarian. Yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> And also Nikki. Nikki had a, she had a camera on her. She wants to be a photographer. How often do you see a film where a black kid wants to be something different than a sports star or, entertain, or entertainer? You don't. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you don't. You get pigeonholed racially into this bucket, right? Where these are the <laughs> only things that society, quote, allows you to want to do. And so, yeah, I mean, I think you definitely see that through the kids because you see – like you said, Lamont to me is such a tragic figure mm -hmm. because my heart was breaking for him the whole movie. Like, it's funny I say Lamont where swear to God's the one who ends up literally losing his life completely unnecessarily. But like Lamont specifically, you just 
you you want to put your arm around him, right? And so even when you're watching like Rivers trying to mentor Mouse, there's a part of Mouse that is like very pushed off against that, you know, like when he's riding with them in the car at the very beginning, he's like, get up here in the front seat so I can talk to you. Mouse is like, ain't no snitch. <laughs> like, like there's a cultural part that, that he can't do that, right? Lest he be given this stigma of accepting the help from a cop because there's just, there's a world that does not allow that. Even though he's trying to help, it's hard for him to break through. And I, and I thought that that was a part of this as well is seeing how hard it is for the adults who try to mentor both of these guys trying to mentor mouse. They both come up in conflict, right? It's not even easy on the adult side. Like they're trying to do that and they're, they're at odds with how they're going about it, but they both have his best interest in heart. And yet it's a struggle for them too, because they're fighting the same stigmas of this cultural like cycle that exists and they're they're trying to break out of that. And so, yeah, I, I think it's really it's vital just to me about how to it's a vital story about people trying to get out of the streets. And it's not a movie that tries to give you a message or a one word answer. Right. It's not saying this is how you succeed and fix yourself. <laughs> and I think that that's key because. That's not the type of story we need. We we need to see it in its beauty and in its ugliness so that people can understand it. I think it's for me, maybe that's another one more takeaway for me is empathy. Like it gave me an, um, an empathy and an understanding for people that I didn't quite have before seeing this. Yeah, it's that empathy that's going to help a lot of people see that there's you can't just pull yourself by your bootstraps out of situations like this. You know, you, you can't just wish your way out of this. It, it, it takes a lot more than that for kids to come out of the situation. I mean, it's, Black says it towards the end of the film. Like, people like us don't get second chances. You know, it's either we make good of the one shot we got or we're doomed to be in the same situation that we've seen our parents go through. And for anybody out there who who has that who has that thinking and that mindset of how could people live in this situation how could people put themselves through the situation well i mean you see for yourself when blacks is talking to one of his um friends and one of his friends is trying to get mouse to he gave mouse a gun to go do a robbery towards the end of the film and blacks is like well i need you to stay off of him and he's like what are you talking about he's like no like keep mouse out of this life i, I don't i don't want this for him per se and the friend is telling him, well if i can remember he was the same age that i was when you gave me my first piece yep. so <laughs> it's a vicious cycle and in order and you want to break it but breaking it is not as easy as it as you as it says i mean it's easy to say harder to do because of the systemic inequalities and because of the lack of resources that are in these communities yeah i mean you mentioned mouse's mom and her being like a third mentor in this film outside of the two primary ones and you're right like mouse has a little sister that he has to look out for mouse also is this character who's dealing with a tragic loss of his brother at a young age his older brother um, which is a very common thing in the inner city, unfortunately. And his brother dies because he's part of this culture that Mouse wants to be a part of. And he doesn't quite correlate that 
And your mo- the mom, of course, because of that, is just she's working multiple jobs. She's trying to get by. She's doing everything she possibly can. But it's again, we go back to that word cycle. God, there's another one word takeaway, man, because you you have this parent who is doing all she can to take care of her kids and to give them the opportunity to grow up and get out of this cycle and be different. But because of that, she can't be present all the time. And so when she's not present all the time, her children then are at the mercy of the streets and at the mercy of those that are present. Right. And so it, again, it like it, it works against each other. And that's why it's so important to have these people in your life that help to steer them the right way. And I think, People in their life that help steer them the right way in a careful and a, a way that's on their level. And so, like we talk about the two mentors, Detective Rivers and Blacks. They're both looking out for him. They both want the best for him. They're both influencing him and how he grows into a man. But their methods are different. And they're, I mean, their methods are both different and alike at times. And for me, they have to be able to reach him, whereas I grew up, again, in a different type of culture, a different type of world where I was talked to and I was told things. And I was told, this is what you will or won't do, right? And it was expected that that was going to be all there was to it. And I think what we see here is a culture that it is much harder to just give an order to like I, I grew up in my family and that's really what it was about but I didn't care necessarily as much about this culture around me um, because I cared about what my parents said more than anything these kids like you said they care about the click they care about that status they need that it's an identity thing it's a matter of feeling like they have value and worth in their world and so when someone that has that value and worth is helping to attach themselves to that, like MNC Blacks, giving, you know, Mouse the opportunity to work with him and build a bike, using that to segue into it, carefully watching over him and giving him a way to, you know, be involved in this without getting involved in the nasty side of the business, looking out for him, like you mentioned, you really have to have that. And those people have to put themselves out on the line. And that's what we see here over and over. We see Mouse with this relationship and we see Blacks, I'm sorry, who's putting himself on the line ultimately. He's a character who clearly has done some bad stuff in his life. You know, it comes out like that he's somewhat responsible for sending Mouse's brother on the job that ended up getting him killed, getting him into the, the business, right? He's done his time. It's hard to get rid of that reputation, you know, and yet he's trying hard to do that. And he's trying to get on this redemptive path. And part of that is for him seeing this young kid and not wanting to have him go down that same route. And it's the same thing for Rivers, who's this black cop, who's a buddy, buddy system in the school. And the kids want nothing to do with it. Right. And I mean, I got to tell you, man, Coles, like he's one of the coolest cops I've ever seen in my life from my white perspective. Like from my perspective, I'm like, this dude's awesome. Like how cool would it be to like ride with this like plain clothes cop 
who picks me up when I get in trouble with the other cops, puts my bike in his back, gives me a ride home, listens to rap, gets me a job at the vet. Like to me, because of my perspective and my background, like this dude's awesome. But to them, he's the enemy. Like he's just making them be viewed by everybody else as something they don't want to be associated with. And so it's a struggle for all, all, all of them, for, for Mouse to accept the mentorship and for these two men to effectively get across, you know, their care for Mouse in a way that is able to help him. Uh, I, I love some of the things he says, though, Blacks in particular. For me, this was my supporting performance of the year. Just you know, throw it out there. I voted for Meek Mill as best supporting actor. Um, I thought he was incredible. He's a rapper. I never even really listened to his music. I, I couldn't believe the amount of pathos that he plays this character with. It's just shocking to me. Um, he made me feel in a big way, but he has some of the lines where he says, you know, he's talking to Mouse about getting a bike and the, the crew that he runs with. He says, you see the look right there that Mouse has on his face? He's like, you don't ever let him see that. He said, you give a man power over you. If you do that, he says, if you got to take an L, you take it like a man with your chest up. And I love that because it's, a, it, we're going to talk about lessons in a way. Like this is a lesson in sometimes you're going to take an L. Sometimes you're going to not get what you want and you accept it, right? He's not saying you fight back. He's not saying you show weakness, but he's saying you just stand there and you accept it. And it, and he kind of follows that up again. When Malice is is like very clearly saying like I want to be part of this culture, because it's awesome, it's cool, you know, it's flashy and fun. And Black says this shit ain't all about flexing in the look, like you little guys think. It's about freedom. When I was out in the hood and in the mix, this stuff saved me, and you gotta respect that. And then he follows that up by saying, but when you down bad, you find out. Who really is in your corner? Everybody talks that lawyer stuff, but when it's time to play lawyer, everybody disappears. And so he kind of simultaneously explains like, look, there is a part of having something in your life that you give value to that gives you freedom. And, and for Mouse, I think what he's almost telling him is like, he's like, this is like your veterinarian stuff to you, right? Like, you have this already, but this group of people that you think are cool, they may be cool and they may be fun, but they are not going to be there for you when you need them to be. And so for the story to ultimately go to a place where Mouse needs somebody to be that for him, and it's the guy that's going to go down the hardest to be that, it, it ends up a really powerful lesson for me. Yes, the thing for Rivers that's kind of sad about his character is that he really would be a great mentor for any of these kids i mean not just for the kids that you see but for anybody out there on the street i mean this is a guy who came from these same streets and made something of himself now there is animosity and there's big conflict between african americans and the police department that's always been the story since when i was growing up and that hasn't changed at all given the Given, you know, Black Lives Matter, the protests and the um, unarmed killing of black people we've seen on the news in recent years. And, 
you know, Rivers tells Mouse at a certain point, you know, you may not like it, but one day you're going to look back on what I'm telling you and you're going to thank me for it. And it spoke to me immediately because I remember I would be riding in the car with my granddaddy at a young age and he would be telling me some hard lessons, some tough lessons. And he'd be saying like, you know, you may not like it now and you may not understand why I'm doing this for you, but one day you will. And sure enough, when I came of age, when I became an adult and I had to fend for myself in life, those lessons came and they were valuable to me. And I'm pretty sure that the same thing is going to happen for Mouse. You know, he's he's let himself being you know, intimidated by the badge, which he should be, because who knows, maybe he might have had some bad, some bad encounters with the police officers. Maybe his friends might have, maybe his family might have, he's seen that. And so sadly for Rivers, he may be a good cop, a guy that is trying to do the right thing, but he's put under the veil of being behind the blue shield. And that hurts him when he's trying to reach Mouse in the beginning, in the middle of the story. But towards the end, we can see how his impact does help him get on the right track. For Blacks, he's a guy that grew up in the street. He knows what it was like to do criminal activity, to be a guy who's all about the flash, all about the money, all about the fame and the reputation. And as we see him, he's working in a in a car garage and he's on parole. He can't really do he can't really do anything to mess that up or he's going right back to prison. So from Black's perspective, he knows what it's like to be what Mouse Lamont and swear to God is. He can he can almost see himself inside of those kids. And he wants to show them that there is a different way. He wants to show them that this life, the life that you see that these that these dirt bike guys are living, and you see them with the flashy with the gold chains and the money and the bikes and stuff, it's it's not always cracked up to be. There's a price that comes with that. And there's either two ways for you to there's either two ways for you when you get into that life. It's either in a in a cell with four walls surrounding you all day or in the graveyard and for blacks the whole death thing really hits hard because he is partially responsible for mouse's brother being gunned down and leading to his death and he sees mouse as a way for him to kind of make amends for that to kind of get rid of that guilty feeling it kind of reminds me of paul thomas anderson's heart eight um the film where the lead character in there is an old guy who sees this young drifter who doesn't really have any ambition, who's kind of aimless, and he helps him. Turns out later on in the film that this is the same guy that's responsible for the demise of his father. But he's helping this guy in order to try and make amends in his own mind about the sins and mistakes he made in the past. And Blacks is trying to make amends for that. Now, towards the end, he makes a hard sacrifice to do that and we'll get into it whether we see that as right or wrong but this is the only way that he knows that he can show mouse to understand that you can do it differently you don't have to go down the same path that your brother went down or that i went down or what eventually these guys are going to go down as well you can do something different you're smart you have a work effort you come in here and you you care more about bikes than probably i do you have a gift and don't and don't let that gift go to waste you can do something different than what you see yeah man absolutely and it's really hard i think to watch like i said earlier lamont because when you see lamont interact in these same ways with mouse like first for example when derek steals the bike and they come up on derek and 
Derek's like, I don't know what you, you know, I already, the bike's gone, man. It, you know, it ain't coming back. Like, you should have known better. And MNC Blacks and Jamal and Queen and the crew show up. And they, you know, Black steps in and he gives out some of this redemption at that moment. Like, he started works towards that redemption in this moment. He gives out grace, I should say, is the right word for it, to Derek. And he, he talks to him and he basically says, never again. Like, I'm threatening you, but I'm going to let you off. And his crew immediately is like, oh man, like, you just, like, that's it? <laughs> like, you, you ain't going to punish him? And you can see Lamont, who has grown up in this world believing, like, that there's a punishment for all of this. Like, you, you don't do this and get away with it. And, he didn't appreciate being punked by this guy earlier. And so they're ultimately walking away. And man, he grabs this, this brick and just hits Derek over the head, which is crazy to me. Like that this 13 year old kid would do this, but it's not inconsistent with his character at all. I'm just saying like, it's wild to me that we live in a world where that's what like, he feels like the need to be that violent. And he does this and the guys in the back, Jamal and Queen are like, Ooh, like they're impressed. And Blacks is like, no, get off of them. And ultimately they, they pull him off and they're like, we don't need you, you know, catching a murder case at 13. Right. But ultimately this act gets him respect, which is this thing that is so important in culture. And, and I think that's where it all it comes down to like you have to find a way for people to feel respected and feel valued that isn't tied to what they see on the streets as being that status and Lamont doesn't get it and so I think once that choice is made from there on out like it's a path like you you know I think that there really are some of these critical points in a life where you make a choice and now he has set himself on this path. And so he ultimately gets offered the, you know, the chance to join the crew and start making some deliveries. And, you know, he does. And one of the key stamp things about when Lamont does join that stood out to me, made me, oh, oh, so furious when I heard it. But there's in the back of the truck and Jamal's giving him the instructions. I'm only going to tell you this once. And he goes, you get hemmed up. You're on your own. And it just reinforced for me, like, this is not about anybody looking out for each other, right? They may all be take, taking part in the same activity, but ultimately this is a lifestyle where there's no one cares about anybody else, right? Like you, it's like a fake care. You say you do, but only when it comes to being against like another group but like when it really comes to it they don't care about each other they're not there to support one another and take care of each other in that way um and so then we see that transposed of course with blacks in the end who takes one for miles and and says you know like let basically i'm i'm gonna do this you're gonna accept it and you need to go be better uh and, and i for me i think that what blacks does is ultimately redemptive. Uh, I think that it would be different 
if the story ended in a way in which Mouse had committed murder or Mouse had really truly made the mistake of something that could not be taken back in a way. But I think Mouse is salvageable, right? And I think that for Blacks, for, for him to understand that he is at a point in his life too where this young boy has so much ahead of him and blacks doesn't like blacks <laughs> once you've been there and this is part of you know you watch you watch the movie 13th watch the documentary and you understand like what the prison system does to people and when you get out what it's like right it's not like you just come out of prison and you're like ah I'm back. Let me just get this job and go on with my normal everyday life. Let me get married and get a house. It's not like that, right? Blacks understands that. He's going to always be stuck in this life in this culture. He's going to always be at ends fighting hard against it. So if he can sacrifice himself in order to get one kid out of it, for him it's worth it. And I mean, I think it's absolutely beautiful and I do think it's redemptive. And I think it's redemptive because how consistent he is throughout the story. Like, this is not a thing that comes out of nowhere in the end where the movie's trying to give you a twist. And it's like, oh, we got you. This guy is going to prison for the kid. Ha ha. Look at that. Look how amazing. No, this is the exact character of this character <laughs> all the way throughout the movie. And it's why I cared so much about him. And it's why it's heartbreaking because you don't want this for blacks. You know blacks can be better and you want blacks to have a life you want you want the best for blacks and you know mouse right and you realize that reality is what this movie is showing you is that that's not the case for everybody and so you, that empathy comes back into play i think yeah i, I kind of wanted to go back to that scene where you talked about where the kids were in the back of the truck and jamal's explaining yeah. to them about their jobs and he pretty much also calls them cheap labor he says you're nothing but cheap labor <laughs> He says that, hey, you know, you do this, you drop your deliveries, you make this off, and you will get paid. But at the end of the day, I mean, fast money doesn't usually last too long. I mean, as a kid, you think that things are just going to last forever. It's kind of like um, someone who's playing in the NFL, the NBA. You think like, oh, I'm, I'm going to continue to make this money forever. I'm going to continue to be like this forever. But time passes, and eventually you realize that when you get into a game – of doing criminal activities, there's always going to be a bad end of the road. I, I mean, no one really goes out in the sunset unless you're like somebody like a Vito Corleone or maybe somebody who's like high up in um, the hierarchies of crime syndicates. Uh, for blacks, he sees he sees that it's not the way to go. He puts in. You can see throughout the film, we see the effort he puts into Mouse. He says, "Hey." If you want, if you're serious about this, I'll open up the garage for you at around 6:30. Be here at 6:30. Don't be late, and I can teach you some things about how to maintain your bike, how to clean it, how to how to take care of it. You know, because because he says um, in the film, he says there's so many guys who have found themselves in the hospital because they didn't know how to tighten up a bike. So he's teaching Mouse the virtues of hard work. He's telling him that nothing is given to you for free. You got to work for it. There is this this is no charity around here. I'll help you fix up your bike, but you got but you got to put in the work for it. And 
over time there's a montage where we see where we see the three kids they first come in there in the morning and then over time mouse is the only one who comes in there and blacks never says it but you can see throughout the montage that he has that look of approval in his eyes he sees that okay this kid he's got it he he's got something good in him he really wants this and it kind of pains him towards the end of the film when he sees that mouse falls into the same traps that he probably fell into as a young kid and he's trying hard to steer him away but it's hard because mouse also knows that blacks was once that guy he knows that blacks is like a feared guy in the neighborhood still his his name rings everywhere in Baltimore. People know who Blacks is. And he tells him, like, how are you going to tell me how to do something different when you did when you're doing the same thing that I'm trying to do? So it's it's hard for Blacks to reach him at a certain point. He's teaching him these lessons, but Blacks still has to live down the mistakes and the sins that he has in the past. And you did a good job of bringing up the whole point about being in the prison system. When you're out of prison, People see it as like, yeah, you're out of prison, but you're kind of still stuck in a prison because they, this country, they never let you forget about what you did. I mean, there are so many things that are closed off to you. I mean, who knows? Blacks may not have been working in the garage if he had not been caught. Maybe he might have had a better job, but because he's in the prison system, this is probably the best gig he can get. And I would find it hard, you know, to see, for, I would find it hard to blame him if he, if he um, reset it right back into doing his criminal activity, because that's where the money is. That's where the allure is. It it almost can become an addiction if you're not careful. There's many ex-gangsters and many ex-criminals that talk about that the game, as they call it, the life of crime, is almost like an addiction. It's like a drug. You you get like happy off of somebody knowing who you are. You get happy off of people seeing you drive down the car and seeing you with money and the women and stuff. You you get off on that and it's very hard to let that go. And clearly Blacks has learned to let it go. And I think that kind of plays off until the end. I think he understands that you know there I have nothing really else that I can really do to get myself out of the situation. I'm already a ex-convict the cops already know who I am. They're waiting for me to make my next slip up to make a mistake. So you know what? I'm going to go ahead and sacrifice myself so this young black king has a chance. And it's heroic. It's very heroic. I mean, who doesn't understand the value of somebody sacrificing something for the better, for the greater good? And if Mouse is able to succeed, I'm pretty sure that blacks... He may be in prison, but I'm pretty sure he'll have that smile on his face knowing that I was the reason for that. I was the inspiration for that. I gave him, I gave Mouse a shot because if Blacks doesn't do the sacrifice, then Mouse is another guy who's in the system. He's another guy who has a criminal record and the cycle continues. So, yeah, I wanted to ask you also about like the Rivers and Blacks confrontations because clearly Rivers is a police officer on this, on these same streets who grew up with these kids, these guys, and he went on to be a cop and these guys went on to crime. And so they're always going to be at odds there. And there is specifically two moments like towards the end. There's one, there's an intense confrontation where he comes to the garage and to talk to blacks. And that's when we find out for absolute certainty that blacks was part of mouse's brother's death. And I just, I found it very powerful because you had these two men like 
bowed up on each other face to face like you really in in other movies like this is going to come to blows because the only way that strong black men can solve something is to fight or to shoot each other that's what you see if you watch enough movies if you watch tv and they don't i mean they go at it and they talk it out and they don't like come to some sort of understanding but like i think that there's a recognition there between them that they do both want the best for mouse when they leave, even though they are coming at it from entirely different places, right? Blacks doesn't feel that rivers is the best thing for him because he's going to give him an un unfair look at the world. And obviously rivers thinks that blacks is just going to give him a, a nasty, you know, entrance into a bad world that he doesn't need to be a part of. The way that it ends for me, I really truly believe like Rivers understands what's happening. Did you feel that way? Because he tells him, he tells Mouse, he says, Mouse, I'm going to take care of the police stuff, but don't let this go to waste. I don't believe there's any way he really thinks that Blacks did this. I think he knows. And for me, that's a little bit of like, I, I find that pretty empowering. That even with their differences, he could recognize in that moment that everything Blacks was trying to kind of tell him in that confrontation was true. And like he really is looking out for these kids. And to an extent, you know, Blacks' sacrifice requires Rivers going along with this. Because if there's really an investigation, it's pretty obvious, <laughs> there's cameras, that it's not him, you know. But Rivers allows it. And so... In the end, these two mentors who are at different ends of the spectrum, the whole movie with how they're approaching things, they kind of have to come together in order to make this sacrifice work all for the betterment of Mouse. And, you know, we get to see Mouse is enrolling in a vet school and, you know, continuing his studies. And, and it's, it's beautiful because you kind of see what that can look like. And the, you also get to see the tragic side of the end of this movie Lamont's riding with the click on the street. Even though his best friend died in a convenience store robbery, that didn't dissuade him because it's still all he knew and it's all he could do to have some sort of goal and some, feel like he had something to latch onto in his life. And that's the realistic tragedy of it. Yeah, it just, it's symbolic of the ways in which we can see Two paths go different ways. Um, we can see that Mouse, he got the help that he needed. He got the guidance. He got those lessons. And he was able to take those and make better of himself. Lamont, Lamont probably did, he didn't have a Rivers. He didn't have a Blacks. What he had was a Jamal. He had a Jamal that was an accelerant to what he already believed in that, hey, violence is the way you make your name. Um, he, there, there's a scene earlier in the film where Mouse comes through with the bike that, Blacks tells him to go and take down to a customer. He comes through on the bike and Mouse is telling and Mouse is telling Lamont, hey, this is what happens when you listen to Blacks. Earlier in the film, Lamont is like, no, if you listen to Blacks, that's not the way for you to get the bike. This is the way for you to get the bike. And then you see the midnight click riding down the street. So clearly they have two different ways of seeing the world. Lamont sees that the only way for you to get advantage of this world is that you have to take it. You have to take it by illegal means because the system that's already stationed for you is not going to give you a shot to do that. 
the best that you can get is probably a nine to five job, which is what he sees. Mouse sees due to the lessons he's learned and to the mentors he has in his life. He sees that, hey, if I could continue to make the good choices, if I could be a good person myself, if I could stay away from that temptation and wanting to be involved in crime, then I got a shot. Now, who knows if he actually makes it or not, but he at least has a shot. And that's pretty much the best that you can do is getting that shot, getting that one opportunity. And Lamont, sadly, he's probably not going to be able to ever get that opportunity. I think as you grow older, you become knee deep into what you already believe. And unless you see something different, someone tells you something different, if you have a good support of a good peer network, then you can probably see something different. But he doesn't. He's surrounded by the same people who were congratulating him almost when he almost killed um, what was the guy's name? Derek early in the film. He's surrounded yeah. by those people. So they're only just going to tell him the same thing that he already knows. He's not going to be he's not going to be open to anything new. Not even anything that Mouse is doing. You can see at the end that almost their friendship is kind of done. You know, they're they're going down two different roads and yeah. they both look at each other and they give that hug and it kind of signifies that, yeah, this is the end for us. I, I wish you well in your journey and I hope you see the light, but Mouse sees that I got to hold on to this. You know, Blacks, a man just sacrificed pretty much his freedom for me. So I have to make, I have to make good use of this. Yeah, absolutely, man. Absolutely. Well, so the film we talked about briefly, or I mentioned, I guess, is that it's named after and marketed to kind of highlight this real life Baltimore bike riding culture. And I remember when I saw the preview for this a couple years before it came out, when it first got announced and it was a really slick trailer, had a, a lot of bike riding in it. And I thought, that we were going to get a inner city version of the, you know, dirt bike movie rad. I, I thought it was going to be all about the biking. Right. And come to find out that's not a huge part of this at all. I mean, we have some scenes where there's bike riding. We get the one awesome Sunday moment where the click shows up and shows why people think they're so cool, which is, you know, a great, great scene. You know, it's a uh, Jamal goes nuts and like, smashes a cop's window and makes this white cop incredibly upset. I thought it was a really cool scene because it showed, you know, uh, Rivers is telling him to stand down because he's in charge. And the white cop is like aggressively going after him anyway, because he's upset because he feels offended because he, he had his pride hurt essentially. Yes, there was a you know, crime committed, but like he wasn't trying to hurt the cop. He was just trying to incite him and it worked. But just watching them ride through the streets and do their tricks and stuff, it's really sexy. But you really don't see much else of it after that. I mean, you see the background of it, not the slickness of it. And I just wondered if, did you feel at all like you were missing out? Like there was something missing there uh, because it wasn't more of the bike riding action? For me, the story is so rich in themes and message and meaning. I, I kind of didn't, I kind of didn't miss the dirt bike riding scenes. They're cool to look at. I will say that that early scene where we see, um, two of the midnight click just riding through the street and just be, and just evading these cops like it's nothing and doing tricks. It's exhilarating. I mean, it almost felt like Michael Bay was directing the scene, just the way the camera was moving through the street. I was like, this director, he's got some chops if he could ever get to make an action film, which he 
Will, given that um, he's making a film for DC. Blue Beetle, right, I believe? Yes, Blue Beetle. I think that's what it is. Yes, so it was exciting for what it is, and it's kind of in the background for the rest of the film, but I don't think it takes away from what this film is. I didn't, when I saw the trailer, I didn't even expect for this film to have that much dirt bite, right? I was like, okay, they'll show this and that. This will maybe cut off from the actual film. But at the, you get a great sequence at the end credits where you get to see actually the real riders of Baltimore riding through the streets on the dirt bikes. And it's awesome there. And that's pretty much all I was needed. I didn't really want to see too much dirt bike riding because it could have turned into maybe like a drama slash sports film where you, Maybe have Mouse Lamont and Swear to God racing um, on the streets of Baltimore, but I didn't want to see that film. <laughs> uh, yeah, I didn't either. And I, I actually was really pleasantly surprised that there wasn't more of it in there once I got into the movie. So like, I went in expecting it and wanting it, but once I realized that it was just the setting and not the story, it made more sense for it to be kind of periphery for the most part. But yeah, exhilarating is the perfect word for that opening scene where we see him because it is it really sets the stage and just sells why it's so cool to these kids and what and i mean you feel the same way as a viewer you're like man i get it like let me in on this action like i want to do this too yes it's uh on hell manuel soto the director who is doing the blue beetle film as well which is awesome because he's a puerto rican director doing a latin superhero movie um so i i can't wait i'm actually more excited for that film than I ever would have been because he is directing it. He blew me away with his complete control of this film um, from a, a visual standpoint, an emotional standpoint, storytelling wise, like I'm just all in on everything he does going forward. I think he's an extreme talent to look out for. And I think even though people have slept on this one, that they're going to look back, you know, in 10 years and be like, oh, that now we see what, he was all about like he made this old film that is actually awesome too you know he's going to be like up for an oscar for something and there people are going to be like oh yeah he that guy did the charm city kings movie oh that was awesome (laughs) nobody watched that yeah sadly well let's move into our connecting points and wrap this up i will go is mine first yeah i think mine's is mine first yeah yours is first yeah mine's first uh so mine is the kind of totality of the veterinarian scene the emergency vet visit that mouse and blacks make so mouse comes over to the garage and he's upset and there's animosity between him and blacks i think blacks is actually kind of like chastising mouse and saying like you need to stop what you're doing you need to get out of this and mouse is distracted and he's like what's wrong with sophie the dog something's wrong with her and that's another thing about this movie that really is amazing about meat mill's performance and the character in in general is just how you see it's funny his name is meek because his character is actually really meek for being this big strong commanding figure that is like in charge and supposed to be this scary thing he's very meek he speaks quiet and soft he speaks measured he's very intelligent and he has a huge heart for his dog. And so he immediately, his demeanor changes and he has this insane sense of concern. And we, we go to the vet. And one of the things that stuck out to me about this moment is they start to diagnose the dog. And the veterinarian says for Mouse to explain it. And we really get to see just how smart Mouse is at this moment. It's not just window talk 
in the script that says, oh yeah, this kid's interested in veterinarian stuff and he's good at it. No, he starts spouting off this medical language that is incredible and he's explaining it in a way that blacks can understand. And he's talking about like how major of a medical problem this is for the dog. And this is tough because I love my animals, but like the vet explains that Sophie's old and while they probably could potentially save her, that the surgery is going to be a lot for her to go through and the surgery itself could be too much for her to take. And the way that blacks is like, are, are you saying like, you saying I got to put her down like him, him coming to the place of understanding what is taking place was really emotional for me. And then for blacks to say like, I, I want mouse to do it or whatever. And for mouse, just all he says is I got you as he takes the needle, right? There is a moment there that is just, it is so beautiful. It is such a recognition of everything that Blacks has done for him. And, it, you know, I think it's part of that cultural norms that we have to break apart. And like, I think from my perspective, like what we see a lot of is in a lot of black cultures, like talking about your feelings is not a thing <laughs> with each other but you see it here and mouse is saying so much with i got you and he's crying he gives sophie the shot while blacks is holding the dog it is really tough scene for me and i think that it really comes into play because i believe that this is the last step that allows blacks to become free of responsibility which then makes him able to make that sacrifice for Mouse in the end because Sophie's gone and this was his tie. This was his thing that he could take care of, you know, other than Mouse. Like this is this is the one thing in his life that was kind of pure still and, and it gave him purpose. And it leads to this conversation about Black saying, you know, how his brother, Mouse's brother, should have avoided people like him. And this is where Blacks tells him the truth about what he did that led to Mouse's brother's death and that he wanted to do it right by mentoring Mouse. And, and he, he basically tells us straight up what we've seen this whole time, that like he wants to fix this as best he can by making sure that the same cycle doesn't repeat itself in this family. And it's just, it is a beautiful, heartbreaking moment of just incredible power to me like in this scene and, and again this speaks to me to the the talent of the director and the acting is also my youth performance of the year as well by uh, the actor that plays mouse so just one of my favorite scenes <laughs> favorite but hardest to watch scenes of the year yeah well mine's is probably uh higher on the Richter scale for hard to watch and it's the convenience store robbery um I felt that the scene was very important because this is this is the breaking point where Mouse realizes that this life is not he's not cut out for this life. And the things that Rivers and Blacks have been teaching him throughout this whole film is so that he doesn't make these kind of mistakes. We see that 
the kids, they want to get some respect. And as a kid, the way that you get respect is sometimes in a reckless kind of manner, uh, a, a choice that can have consequences. And they decide to hold up a, a convenience store. So Jamal gets a gun. He gives it to Mouse. Um, they all they all want a gun, but there's only one gun between them. He gives it to Mouse. And so before they go to the robbery, Lamont ends up taking the gun. And Mouse is like, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? Lamont's telling him, stop being scary. But people do not understand how deadly a gun is. And I know we live in a country now where gun laws and gun rights are constantly being debated on both sides. But people really do not understand the damage a gun can do if it's put in the wrong hands, especially in the hands of a kid who doesn't understand the value of a life, life and death. And so... They go inside the store and the robbery just goes sideways quickly because these are kids. They don't they don't know what they're doing. They're clearly out of their element and they clearly don't have an understanding of the actions that they're partaking in. And I like how this film, it kind of puts it, it drips the scene in, in realism. In another film, they would have made this stylized. They would have had some music in the background. But no, it's just straight. These kids go in there, they try to hold a, 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 a store, and then Lamont ends up firing a shot into the air, and then they end up getting shots back from the store owner's wife, and swear to God, ends up getting killed, sadly. It, for me, the first time I saw it, I was shocked. I was in pain. It literally brought me to tears because it, it lets me know that black life... It, it's very precious, not just any life, but black life is very precious, especially in these inner cities, because one mistake like this could cause somebody to die. And Mouse has seen something that he'll never ever forget again. He'll never have conversations with his friend again. He'll never be able to ride down the street with him, hang out with him during the summer, play games with him. Like all of that is gone. And I didn't know what it was like to lose a friend in this manner when I was a kid, but I did know friends who did lose um, people by hand of a gun and it's heartbreaking because you see that it's a kid who had so much life i mean they were only like 12 or 13 years old and he was swear to god was frankly still a baby and he ends up getting cut short in the prime of his life and at that moment i think mouse realizes that that i i want to go in a different direction like i i want to do something that's going to bring positivity i want to do something that's going to make my mom happy i don't want to end up like my brother did you know because throughout the we hear from mouse himself how his mom loved his brother she was his firstborn and that he thinks that his mother loves her brother more than she loves him and what pain it would be for him to lose his life in a reckless situation like that like his brother did and for his mom and his sister to be without him. So I think that while the convenience store robbery is a, it's a tough scene to watch and it brings me to tears each time, but it really brings home the point that there's no beauty. There's no fascination or entertainment that should be given to a life of crime or to anybody dealing with gun violence. There, there, there's nothing cool about this. Like it's a matter of life and death. And I hope that more people can understand that. Yeah, absolutely, man. It is a really, really tough scene to watch. And, you know, I think extra tragic that the kid that loses his life is not one of the two who are the most in it. So you've got Lamont, who 
wants to be a gangster and he doesn't lose his life. And you've got Mouse, who is the one who says, let's do it in the first place. Let's go through with it, kind of pushing it because he wants to push these boundaries and fight back against being the good kid. And he doesn't lose his life. Swear to God, it's kind of like the extra guy who's just along for the ride with these other two, very influenced by whoever's around him. And he's the guy who who ends up tragically dying. And the other thing that kills me about this scene, man, is part of that thing that makes this so powerful as a coming-of-age tale because it really hits on the reality of who these kids are on a daily basis and their age is that right before this scene, what we see happening with them together is they're walking down the street after going to that convenience store and they're arguing about whether gummy worms or sour gummy worms are better. And in the moment, it's hilarious. But in retrospect, it's like, at one moment, your 13-year-old boys jokingly arguing about the importance of gummy worm texture. And in the next, you're holding up a gas station with a gun and somebody's losing their life. It's awful. Just awful. Um, and unfortunately, realistic. And that's what makes it so awful. So, yeah, great movie. Love it overall. And I hope people... If you did get this far and you didn't heed our warning and you still haven't seen it, HBO Max, please go watch it now. Well, that's all, folks, for this episode of Feeling Film. We appreciate you giving us a slice out of your day or night. And if you want to keep the conversation going or give us your thoughts, find us in the awesome Feeling Film Discussion Facebook group. Aaron, thanks for another great conversation, and we will talk soon. Hey, everyone. Thanks again for listening. If you enjoy the show, we'd love to hear from you. You can leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening. These help increase visibility for the show and grow our community of listeners like you. We also invite you to connect with us further by joining our ever-growing Facebook discussion group. A link to that is in the show notes, or you can just search on Facebook and find us that way. If you'd like to continue the conversation with me, you can follow the show on Twitter, at FeelinFilm, or connect with me in the Facebook group very active in both places and would love to chat and if you want to connect with me you can find me at shoeless patch on both facebook and twitter be sure to tag me in any comments so that i'll be notified and not miss you once again thank you for listening we'll be back soon until then stay positive and keep feeling filmed